verse 54 to uh, Luke chapter 13 verse 9. I think it'll be uh, on the board in a moment. And um, we'll, we'll share some a little bit of this later. So... Uh, this is Jesus talking. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled to him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it, and if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And I just pray that the Lord will, will guide me a little bit later to share some uh, reflections on that passage. Children uh, like to go to the classrooms. Are you going, Paul, taking your two? Yeah, it's just this way. We, I think you know the way, do you? It's great to see you again, Paul. <laughs> And Pam, of course. <laughs> and the family, okay. <laughs> Great to see everyone in the... Do you know what I mean? It's wonderful. I wonder if in, in life you, um, you have ever been in the presence of somebody, uh, somebody famous perhaps, uh, but you didn't know it. Have you? Have you ever been in the presence of someone and never knew it? Uh, maybe afterwards you, uh, you found out that you know, that really was the Queen. <laughs> have you ever been in the presence of somebody really famous, but but not known it? I don't know. Have, has anyone here been in such a place? No. Well, neither have I. But <laughs> but I have been in the presence of somebody who didn't know who I was. Uh, very quick little story. I was at work. Uh, I'm fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to have my own business. And, uh, and I was working and this guy came to deliver some leather. Uh, he came in the yard to deliver. New guy, hadn't been before. And um, I was chatting, oh, how are you? Are you alright? Yeah, 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 I'm new to this job. And then he said, uh, so what's the boss like in this place? <laughs> so I said, well, he's alright, I think. What have you heard? <laughs> that were brave, weren't it? <laughs> And I started laughing. I said, no, I said, uh, I'm, I'm the boss. But it was quite interesting that, that we can sometimes be in that situation where either somebody doesn't know who we are and we've got the upper hand on them or we don't know who somebody else is and maybe that's not the best place to be. Uh, Jesus, uh, 2,000 years ago, 
was in such a situation. You know, uh, I don't know if you know pretty much the creation story that God created the heavens and the earth. God created man. And then he started this journey and of course Adam, um, the first man, sin entered in. And this journey, they went two ways. Man went his way and God's still going on the same direction but wanted him back. So he spoke to a man called Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of nations, the father of a great nation. Uh, Abraham was in his late, uh, probably in his 90s, Sarah, too old to have children, didn't even have any children yet, and then they had the son Isaac. And then the story continues where God uh, almost uh, claimed this people. He almost made them his own. He claimed them. He said, this people, I want to walk with this people. I want to be their God. Why do I want to be their God? Because I want them to know who I am, how to live, so that they could go out into all the world and be that catalyst into all creation that we would know the living God and all creation would know God. And that's pretty much the journey. And then through that we have Moses and we have many miracles that God did, that God did, that you can read in the scriptures, you can read in this Bible. But in all these writings, of the prophets during this time there was this one common thread that was weaving its way through and it was a story it was, it was a prophecy that a man would come, a person would come and it would be the Messiah the King of all kings the Lord of all lords, he would be the Son of God and if we would but believe in him if we would believe in him we would not perish and we could have everlasting life. And this thread worked its way right through this nation's walk, through the desert, through everywhere that they went. And then they came to this place. And, and you could imagine the conversation. God in talking to Jesus in heaven, he's saying, well son uh, they haven't just got it. I, I can't see another plan other than um, we need to do something drastic. So Jesus says, well maybe I should go. Eh? Shall I go? Yeah, but Jesus, you know, it's going to be tough. You will have to become like one of them. And so Jesus said, well, God, if, if, if you like, I'll do that. I love you, Father, so much. And I know how much you love these people. I know how much you love creation. I'm going to do that. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. So Jesus dethrones himself of all his heavenly hosts, of all the royalty that he has, of his majesty, and he's born into a stable in the poorest of poor places and this is the Messiah and this is the Jesus and this is the Jesus who's probably about 32-ish at this, this time in his 30s anyway and he's meeting with this crowd of people now the people he's meeting with they are the chosen one they are Abraham's descendants they know the scripture, they know all about God, they know all about Moses, they know about the parting of the Red Sea, they know all the stories about Elijah, and uh, they know Elisha, and they know the stories, they know about King David, they know all these things. But the strange thing is, they don't know who this guy is that's sitting in front of them, talking to him. They don't know who he is. And we pick this up right in this passage that I, that I brought to us this morning about in, in Luke chapter 12. And let me read this. Jesus, he said to the crowd, you see, they knew everything else. They knew when it was going to rain. They knew when it was going to be hot. You know it's going to rain because the cloud's coming. You see the cloud, you know it's going to be rain. You know it's going to be hot because the wind blows and it's blowing from Africa and it's bringing heat. So you know it's going to be hot. 
so they could tell what was happening in nature. You could actually say in Rossendale, you know when it's going to rain, couldn't you? Not every day. But, <laughs> but this was a hot country, you know, and so it's, it's even more significant that they could read the signs of the world, but they did not, not know what the signs of the times were. They did not recognize that this man, Jesus, is the Son of God. And he says this to them, when you see the cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. But then he calls them a hypocrite. Hypocrites! Imagine that. Imagine being called a hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who is, uh, it comes from, uh, it comes from like off the stage. And if I was, I, I was looking for a mask, if I had a, I've got a mask. Imagine I've got a mask, okay? And, um, I'm a clown. Okay, go on. You can say it. <laughs> You're a clown anyway. No, I'm a clown and I'm dressed up like a clown. I've got a mask and a clown and I do all the things that a clown does. But then when I take them clothes off, I'm no longer a clown. I'm Peter Folds, okay? Jesus saying to these people, these were Pharisees, they were religious leaders, they knew the scriptures, they knew it all, they knew all the words, they used to have prayers tied to the belts, they used to have little phylacteries, little boxes with the scriptures written in, they were religious people, they knew all this, but they didn't recognize the person in front of them talking to them. And he called them hypocrites. He says, how is it that you know all these things and you do all the right things and you pray at the right time and you go to the synagogue and you offer your sacrifice? How is it that you know all these things but you don't know who I am? How can you not know when you know all these things? And the problem is for us sometimes we can know the scriptures, we can know it all, we have all the answers... But are we like a hypocrite where we don't act them out, we don't practice it, we don't live it? Challenging words. And Jesus is, he doesn't mince his words. And then he goes on to say, he says, You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? I am the Christ. I think one of Jesus' most uh, difficult things that he had to cope with was the fact that people didn't know who he was. He, I, I would imagine, I, how do you get your head around that? You're doing all the miracles. Many miracles. You're a wonderful person, you're a wonderful saviour, words of wisdom, something really, really special. This man must be from God and yet they didn't get it. Why did they not get it? Why did they not get it? It's because they got fixed and they were stuck in a time warp. They were stuck in a place where, from history, they were just stuck. They were stuck in the teachings of the laws and and they never moved. And Jesus had come specially to say, listen, we need to move on. And this is what Jesus was trying to tell them. So he says this, after this, he says, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Now this is interesting. As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled to him on the way or he may drag you off to the judge and the judge turn you over to the officer and the officer throw you into prison I tell you you will not get out until you have paid the last penny what's Jesus talking about Jesus talking about himself and the people he's talking to this is what he's talking about the judge 
Jesus talks about repent or we will perish. The good news of Jesus Christ is that we do have a place in heaven. The good news of Jesus Christ that he wants to get across to us more than anything is, listen, I am the Messiah. If you listen to me, you will have salvation. You will not perish. You will have everlasting life. That is the story. That is the core of the Christian message of Jesus Christ. And so he's talking to these people. They don't understand the signs. They don't understand that he's Jesus. So he says to them, It's kind of like saying, listen, I'm the son of God. And we're walking together. We're on a journey walking. I'm talking to you. I'm telling you the things of God. I'm walking along and you're coming with me. But listen, on this way, I keep telling you, if you repent, you won't perish. You can have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You can know the Heavenly Father. And he's on this journey. That's what he does all the time. All he wants to do, Jesus, is introduce people to the Father. That's what the conversation was. Listen, son... If you'll do that for me, that'll be wonderful. Yeah, God. Yeah, Father. I'll go and do it. And he's on this journey. And so the people are journeying with Jesus. It's like Jesus. It's almost like Jesus saying, listen, if you don't repent, you will perish. That's what he says. If you don't repent, you will perish. And he's talking to these people. All they have to do is repent. And if they repent, they will not end up before the judge. But if they don't repent, they'll end up before the judge. Because the Bible talks about a day of judgment. We need not be mistaken. The the Bible talks about a day where we will all be judged. It's no good pretending it's not there. It is. It's not nice. And Jesus wants to walk and he wants everyone to repent. He wants them to repent. He doesn't want anyone to face the judge without having been repentant. And if you do face the judge, then what's he say? You'll be thrown into prison. And... You won't get out until you've paid every last penny. Well, how can you possibly get out of prison when you have to pay every penny? You have to pay it, but you have no way of earning money. There is no way you can get money in that prison. What that says is, listen, this is serious. You will go to prison and you will never get out. And that's a picture Jesus kind of painting in this passage that, that we have to... Repent, trust in Jesus, make up with our adversary, and then when we finally go to judgment, it won't be a case of you got thrown into prison. It'll be a case of, oh yeah, yeah, yours paid for. My son paid for you, didn't he? Come this way. And that's what he's trying to get across. He wants these people to say, he's calling them hypocrites because they know all the scriptures. They know them. But they don't understand what's happening. And that's what he's saying. So then he goes on. Uh, chapter 13 we read this now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices now Jesus answered do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way I tell you no You could just see how far wrong these people were. Imagine he's talking to this crowd. And they still believe, they still believe in the, in the teaching where if your parents had had been sinning, that sin could be passed on to you. There's a story where the, where uh, Jesus heals uh, a a crippled man. He heals him. Uh, No, sorry, a blind man. And this asks the question, which one of them sinned, him or his parents? Because they thought that he was blind as as a punishment because his parents had been sinful. And and they thought with these Galileans, these Galileans, they were going up to the temple, okay, to offer sacrifice. 
they were actually going to offer sacrifice. And the way that these people atoned with themselves for God is they would offer sacrifices. And Jesus come to say, listen, you don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to do that anymore. But these people are still offering sacrifices. These poor Galileans were in the synagogue offering sacrifices. Pilate, who didn't really love these people, he had no joy over the Jews whatsoever, sent his soldiers in and they massacred them and they killed them. So they're saying, well, what about these people who are offering the sacrifice to make atonement between them and God? Why did they get killed? Is it because they were worse sinners than any of the others? She said, no, no it isn't that, it's just one of them things really, it's life, bad things happen, bad things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people, we can all say that can't we? Bad things happen, wherever, in whatever way you put that, it just happens, it's life, and Jesus is trying to get across to them, no, they weren't worse sinners than you, but listen to this, there's something worse than that, unless you repent, you'll perish. That's what he says. Unless you repent, you'll perish. And then Jesus says, Jesus throws one, one in then. He says, uh, well, what about those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish again. 18 people killed, the tower fell down on, the tower just collapsed, okay? It happens. Buildings collapse. People die. Does that mean that they were worse sinners than me who hasn't died yet? No. Jesus said, no. You, no, that's not what's going on here. But unless you repent, unless you understand that I am the Son of God, unless you accept my teaching, you too will perish. You might as well be at the bottom of that tower and be one of the 18. You might as well be one of the Galileans who's just been massacred for offering sacrifice because... Don't repent, that's where you're going. And that's what he's saying. And then he goes on to tell them this story. And this story, this parable. He says this. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it. But he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it, fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Hmm. This vineyard, the thing about a vineyard is it's good soil, okay? It's been a place that's been prepared to grow crops, to grow vines, to grow fig trees. It's rich, good soil. That's the first thing to realise, that the vineyard is rich, good soil. And this, uh, this man that comes, is this, a, is this a kind of, like, God... And the vineyard, is it a kind of like the Jewish nation, Israel? And God is coming looking within the Jewish nation to see if there's any fruit. And the fruit he's looking for 
is the fruit of repentance. He wants them to repent. For almost three years now, Jesus has been walking with his people. And still, a lot of them are not repenting. Still, there's many people not repenting. In fact, in fact, at the end of his three years, they actually put this man to death. They kill him. So they never ever got it that he was the Messiah. Because had they got it that he was the Messiah, they wouldn't have killed him. Now you could say probably that's how it was meant to be. But that aside, they never got it. They knew all the stories. They knew the Messiah would come. They knew all that. And yet when he's right there before them, they didn't recognize him. And then Jesus, so Jesus comes along and he says, Well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't just give up yet. What if we just dig a little bit round the, what if we just dig a little bit round this fig tree? What if we just shake them up a little bit? Make them listen. Make the word go in. And then in a year, let's see if they bear fruit. But if they don't bear fruit, if they don't repent, then they will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. It is serious, serious stuff is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It doesn't need to be watered down. It is what it is. It is what it is. Jesus came quite clearly saying, and unless people repent, they will perish. Repenting, turning away from perhaps your wicked ways, or whichever way it is. This vineyard uh, really, really struck home to me, particularly this fig tree. Imagine, okay, you are a fig tree. Each one of us in this room, we are fig trees. We're all fig trees. And some of us will bear fruit. Some of us will bear fruit with the, that's in line with the repentance of accepting Jesus as the Lord and Saviour, of accepting Jesus as, our, as the way to heaven, of accepting and hearing his word. Some of us, and some of us don't. Some of us don't. And, and the fruit that we can bear, uh, when you read in Galatians, it talks about uh, the, the, the acts of sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, uh, forgiveness. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And these qualities and these characteristics should be seen in a person who has repented. If you've repented and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, that's great because you will not perish. But it does it, you can't just repent today and then never do anything about it. Because what can happen is, what is, is the fruit can stop. The fruit can stop. And in life, in life, situations, circumstances, they can affect us and it can cause the fruit to stop. It can cause the hard ground to be hard. This vineyard, this guy that takes care of the vineyard, he went to examine it and he noticed that the ground is hard around this fig tree. And some of us, we have hard ground around us and that ground needs breaking up. We need to break the ground. If God wants to say anything today to us at all, it's that we need to break the ground. You need to break the ground of unforgiveness. What does that mean? It means that if there's somebody that you haven't forgiven, you need to break through, break that ground and go and say, listen, I know I've not forgiven you, but I need to forgive you. You've got to break that ground. And unless you break the ground, the Holy Spirit cannot get in. Who knows that if you've got dry ground, really dry ground, and you pour water in it, it runs off. 
That's what happens, isn't it? Why do we have to break the ground? You see, if we're hard, the Spirit comes on us. The Bible talks the Spirit as like a symbol of water or a fire, but let's think water for the moment. Uh, it talks about refreshing water, that there's refreshing river of life that flows from God's throne. It symbolises the Spirit. The Spirit falls upon us, we're on hard ground, washes off. Doesn't touch us. Doesn't affect us. Makes us a little bit damp. Makes us perhaps feel a little bit good and then on our way. But when you break that ground, what happens when you break the ground and water, you water it? What happens? The water goes right in, doesn't it? You break the ground. We have to be a people that's not afraid of breaking the ground in our lives. And that's where we've got to be. We've got to be as this man in the vineyard that took care of the the trees. And he said, let's give them one more chance. God wants us constantly. He's, He's a... He's not a second chance God, he's a forever chance God. When we make a mistake, he's there. When we make a mistake, he forgives. God's love is immense. Imagine Jesus on the cross and they've just whacked big nails through his hands. Imagine the pain. We cannot, can we? And he says, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. How do you do that? How do you you speak words like that? Except out of pure unconditional love that's the only way and that's what Jesus wants that's what he wants us to experience the pure unconditional love of the heavenly father so that our lives will be more uh, refreshing will be more full that we can uh, produce fruit that we we can find it easier to do the right thing and not the wrong thing we talk to the children didn't we Some of, sometimes we do wrong things sometimes we do good things Paul the apostle said I wish that I, I, would, I wouldn't do the things that I'm not supposed to do but do the things he does the wrong thing he doesn't do what he should do and he does what he shouldn't do and he said there's nothing in me that I can fight that it's, it's a fight I have it, you have it. I know you do because you're living, breathing people. We do, we're human beings. We need to learn to break the ground. And I was thinking the types of ground. Break the ground of unbelief. Break the ground of unbelief. If you can't believe... Break that ground and believe. Break the ground because once you break the ground, the Spirit will come in. It's like faith. Once you step in the, out in faith, the Spirit comes and you see God move. It's remarkable. Break the ground of unbelief. Break the ground of fear. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of in life? What is it that you're afraid of? We all have fears. What is it? Break the ground of fear. Break that ground. Let the Spirit of God come in. Break it. Break the ground. What about words that have been spoken over to you over the years? You'll never be any good. You're not like your brother. He's a lot better than you. I wish you were like your sister. I wish you were a little bit easier. You'll never be any good. Break it. Break that ground. How do you do it? You break the ground. How do you break the ground? You ask God to help you. And you make, a, you make a decision to break it. You say, no, I'm not living under that anymore. That's a life. And it doesn't belong in my life. You break it. Break that ground. You have to fight. You have to break the ground. What about laziness? Break the ground of laziness. Oh, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. I'd rather just sit here and watch telly. 
You know you've got things to do. You think you're sat there. You know you've got things to do. Laziness. Break that ground. Say, listen, body. Paul talks about we've got to kick our bodies into touch, you know. We should master our body, not our body master us. Do you know what I'm saying? We let our bodies master us. In other words, we feed our bodies desires. If you have a problem with lust, or a problem with pornography on the internet, or anything like that, and you have that problem, you have to break that ground because it will never go away. We feed that desire within us. We feed it. And that's what we continue doing. That's that's what we're up against. We feed that. What if we gossip? What if we gossip? We can't keep our mouth shut. We like to tell a tale and we love it if it's something negative. We don't think it is. We don't think that's the case. But gossip. Break the ground of being a gossip. Don't go there. Stop. You are a fig tree. When you're there in that gossip place, you will, you will bear no fruit. You will bear no fruit. You have to break that ground. Break the ground. What about complaining? Break the ground of complaining, for goodness sake. Find something good to say. We complain sometimes, don't we? We just Sometimes people just complain. I once had a guy work for me. Goodness me, complain? I I don't use the language what I used to say. Everything's... And he's come out with a mouthful of expletives, you know. The weather's no good. This place is no good. The job's no good. This leather's no good. That's no good. The cushions are too hard. Every single day. I, I, I put up with it for two years. And then I thought, I, he's got to go. And so we just parted company. Break the ground. If there's people that are complaining to you, if there's people that are not speaking good, that are negative around you, you need to tell them. Break the ground in that say, listen, I need to break this ground in you. This gossiping is no good. This complaining is no good. Because when two or three are gathered together and they start complaining, it causes a riot. Doesn't it? You know, with two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, what about two or three are gathered together in the name of gossip or complaining? Or, you know, like a, a little gossip party. It's not good, is it? We need to break the ground because we want the fruit of the Spirit to, to enter into us. We've got to break this ground. Break the ground of telling lies. Break the ground. We need to be men and women of God. Men and women of God. Who saw As on wings like eagles. That's that said. But those who hope in the Lord will renew the strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Men and women of God. We need to be. We need to break the ground of all these things that are not God. Godly. Of the sinful nature. We need to break the ground. Whatever it might be. We have to break the ground. And not only that, we have to break the ground of being able to forgive ourselves, okay? I mean, some of us have done things in life and we're not best pleased of. We're just not best pleased. And if somebody found out, we'd be devastated. And the thing is, that just stays on on us all the time. And we don't understand, we don't think that God can forgive us. We need to break the ground of beating ourselves up and punishing us. Because today... From this moment is a new day. And Jesus said, repent, or you too will perish. We have to break the ground. Break the ground 
men and women, break the ground. Start to be the people that God knows you can be. And really deep down inside you know you can be. Just, just go for it. Just break that ground. It might be that you've never asked Jesus into your life. You've never, ever asked Jesus into your life. It might be that you've never been baptised and on the journey. It might be that you've never been filled with the Spirit. I want to encourage you this morning to break that ground. Break the ground and just do it and see what God does. Because that's how it works. Break the ground. Just break the ground. What about apathy? Apathy. Do you know I've told people, I mean we've, we've been to India, Donna and myself and we've seen people healed. And we really have seen people healed. And we've had the proof and everything. We've really, really, as sure as I'm here, we have seen it. Don't ask me how it happens. All I can tell you is we've seen it, okay? And we've told some people and they just think we're crazy. They don't believe it. Even Christian people, they don't believe it can happen. Apathy. Break that ground. God can do anything. God can do all things. All things. And he does it through us. We can do all things in the name of our God. Anything's possible. Break that ground. Just break that ground. Get back to the place. Skepticism. Break the ground. Don't be a skeptic. Instead of having to throw 20 questions, what's wrong with just thinking, wow, God can do that? The country is full of skeptics. The country. In the church, there are skeptics. Is it almost that if Jesus came and he'd call us hypocrites because we know it, but we don't really believe it? Isn't, is, is, that, is that a possibility? I don't know. I would hate that to be the case. I would hate that to be the case. But just to be sure that it isn't, is it not a good idea just to break that ground? Just, just, just to tick all the boxes, just to be sure. Is it a good idea just to say, you might be sat there thinking, oh, call me an hypocrite. How can you call me an hypocrite? Well, imagine that God was suggesting that you were, but he just wants you to look at your life and say, just check that you're not. Take it that way. Just check that the compassion of God and the love of God is that he loves you so much that he only wants the best for you. He only wants you to understand his will and his purpose. He only wants you to know his love. He only wants you to know all that is free. Just say, Lord, if, if that is me. Would you break that ground? I'm not saying it is. So just ask. Because I would ask myself that question. I've asked myself, Lord, if this is me, I don't want it to be. And, and, and that's the way to approach these things. Not, not from a judgmental way, but from a listen. Is it a good idea if we don't just look at our lives and we don't just examine ourselves? You know, Is there things that we need to repent of is the things just on the off chance just in case because it would be it would be bad wouldn't it if they were you know so how do I end this goodness me unless we find a new place unless we find a new place repent of these things break some ground we need to break some ground
we'll be much the poorer for it. Unless we do these things, unless we break some ground. Break some ground. And I've gone the negative side. What about the positive side? Well, I always pray for people. I pray for people quite often. And they'll break some ground and pray for some more. Step out in faith. You know, I always encourage people. I encourage my neighbour. I encourage my friend. I pray with them. Then break some ground and pray with more people. Yeah? It works both ways. Don't just be satisfied where you are. Step out. Push out. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Don't get tired. Don't get content. Don't get comfortable. If you're comfortable, break some ground. Make yourself uncomfortable. Get rid of the comfy chair and buy a, a park bench and sit on that for a while. You need to be a little bit uncomfortable. Because when you're a little bit uncomfortable, then things start to move. And that's what God does. I was having a conversation in the week with somebody, and she was saying, you know, she said, (laughs) it's quite funny this, she said, I was praying for God to give me patience. (laughs) And then I met my partner. (laughs) She said, then I met my partner, and he pushes me to the end of my patience every time, and I get so angry and so frustrated. And I said, well, be careful what you pray for, you know. God, you pray for patience and God might put you somebody who irritates you to build patience. Do you know if you have a problem with, if you have a problem, let me tell you something, right? Before I became a Christian, one of the biggest problems for me was, um, I've told you loads of times, fiddling tax, alright? Not giving the tax man the money. So somebody pay me a couple of thousand pounds for a leather suite, I'd put it in my back pocket and not tell the tax man. So I didn't have to pay a tax, which is great. Then I became a Christian and, of course, that had to stop. Otherwise, I would have been a hypocrite, wouldn't I? I would have been a hypocrite if if I didn't walk the walk. But the most difficult thing for me is that temptation always never goes away. It's not gone away for 20-something years to just put that money in my back back pocket and not tell the taxman because it's always possible every week a week doesn't go by where it's possible whether it's £10, 20 2000 it doesn't matter the the opportunity is always there and I will tell you now that over the years I've kind of wavered a little bit and not stuck by it just the odd time and then I'll come up with loads of little ways to justify it Loads of ways, well, I'll, I'll give it somebody or I'll do this. But it's still wrong. Do you know, it's still wrong. And I'm just telling you that because every single one of us has areas in our life that won't leave us alone. They won't leave us alone. Habits. Bad habits. They won't leave us alone. And what we need to do is we need to break the ground of the bad habits. Unforgiveness, we need to break the ground. I'll not go over it all again. We need to break some ground, okay? I'm going to ask you this morning just to stand, to think of what I've said. And what I, and, and I just want you to stand wherever you are. And, and if you're afraid of standing, break some ground and stand anywhere, okay? Because we want to break some ground. And I'm just going to pray. And then we're going to finish, alright? So I'm, I'm going to invite you, if you think... If you think you've some ground that needs to break in your life, I want you to stand up right now. Stand up. If you think there's